0: can't we? And uh, we need to take a, we need to keep a close look on our own lives. For God warns us about trying to take, uh, what is it, take the uh, splinter out of a neighbor's eye and you got a beam in your own eye. Uh, We we have to take a good uh, soul-searching look at ourselves. But then there are signs in those that we care about. And if we see those signs of walking away from God, drifting away from God, and those people we care about, we ought to do our level best to try to help them uh, put a stop to it before they get too far away from God. And uh, So uh, recognize the signs. You know, the the first thing that happens, and, and maybe you'll know this about yourself better than you know it about anybody else. You know how it used to be, especially when you got, first got saved and you'd come to church and man, you'd get excited about seeing the brothers and sisters and you just look forward to it and you shook hands and you patted backs, and you laughed and just felt good and comfortable. But after a while, if you're not careful, you won't feel so good. You will lose that excitement. You will lose that uh, commitment to God and that a commitment to brothers and sisters. And so, God help us to understand tonight uh, the signs that we can observe not only in ourselves, but in those that with whom we have to do. And, uh, you know, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, God said that his commandments become grievous unto you. Now, I said either last Sunday night or Sunday night before, I believe it was, that whether we went to church or not at our house never was a question. But it's awful easy for it to become routine. And then sometimes, it even, especially when you got children and they begin to grow up, and uh, they get to where they can dr- maybe drive their own cars and do all those kind of things, uh, they don't get as excited over the things of God as they seem to be when there's little kids. And what's ha- what happened to them? The commandments of God became grievous. It ought to be, we ought to get up. Somebody said, man, I don't have to go to church on Sunday. And, you know, you kind of look around at them, you know, wondering what they mean. They said, I get to go to church on Sunday. There's a whole lot of difference in that, isn't it? I don't have to go, but, man, I get to go. It's a privilege. It's a privilege you get to come together. And uh, if, I, if I have to miss church even being sick, man, I miss it. Uh, I, you know, I wonder, my brothers and sisters over there talking about me. No, not really. I, I just threw that in. But uh, I've witnessed those who were once faithful and once close to God, and uh, was here every time that the door opened, and uh, now they're no longer involved in the work of the Lord. They no longer desire to be in fellowship with God's children. And and you know, it, normally it doesn't happen this way every time, but a large percentage of the time, this is where it starts out. Well, I don't believe I'll go to Sunday school this morning. If I don't go to Sunday school, I can sleep an hour later. And after all, I don't get much out of Sunday school class anyway. Now I can tell you whose fault it is if you're not getting much out of the Sunday school class. And it's not the teachers and it's not God. And uh, then they they miss Sunday school. And then after a while, you know, you'll say, well. Uh, You know, I went to church this morning and I came home and I laid down and took a nap and I got such a headache, I really don't see any need of me going on Sunday nights. You know, and it might just be one every now and then to start with. But after a while, just give up altogether. And the same thing with Wednesday night. And when you get to that place, you have to be awful careful because you'll just quit altogether. And uh, we're just talking about how badly we need a revival uh, in the time in which we live. And uh, so this evening, don't think because that you're faithful right now. That you're in love with the Lord right now. You're excited over seeing brothers brothers and sisters right now. Don't think you can't fall away. The Bible says, let a man that thinketh he stand take heed. Lest he fall. And I read, and and this is such a familiar story to me, but I think of it often. I read about this man named Demas. And uh, Luke, the beloved physician, had Demas to go with him and Paul. Man, he was running with some pretty good company, wasn't he? And uh, then there's a sad statement that uh, Paul wrote over in Philippians, pardon me, in, in 1 Timothy. He said, for Demas has forsaken me. Now, it wouldn't be too bad if Demas just forsook Paul. But you see, when Demas forsook Paul, he also forso- forsake the Lord. Yeah, right. And he forsake the Lord's work. You know, there's a place, I believe it's in John, I haven't read it a while, I said, if you can't do the work for, and this was Jesus speaking, if you can't do it for my sake, at least do it for the work's sake. In other words, the work that God has left us to do is so important because we've got the opportunity, we've got the privilege, we've got the duty of conveying to people that's headed to hell a way they can escape. God has given us the keys to the kingdom. You say, I thought Peter got those. You did too. When when he revealed to you how to tell people how they can miss hell, that's the that's the key that you use to get them into the kingdom of God. And so, yes, we need revival tonight. We're warned over in Colossians two. Said, let no man beguile you of your reward. In other words, don't let anybody steal away from you, your reward. Uh, the, the devil's main business is to keep people lost. That would please, If he could keep everybody lost, that would please him exceedingly. If he could see all of God's creation and all those that Christ died for cast into the fires of hell, he'd be happy. But there's some of us have overcome that penalty of sin. And the devil can't touch us. He may give me a lot of trouble in this world, but he can't touch my soul. He may give my body a whole lot of trouble, but he can't touch my soul. But after that you get saved, he loves to steal away from you your rewards. You see, only after you get saved is when you start earning rewards. And the devil will do everything that he can to keep you from doing anything that will lay up a treasure in heaven where the rust and the mobs don't corrupt and where the thieves can't break through and steal. And so don't let let an individual steal away from you the rewards that God has uh, placed in front of you as being accessible. And uh, it's when you start following after Satan and walking away from God, It's not long till the world will have robbed you of everything that's precious. I couldn't tell you how many people that I've talked to, and maybe not in these exact words, but this is what it all boiled down to. The devil robbed me of my family. My spouse doesn't have anything to do with me. My children don't want to be around me the devil has robbed me of that blessing. And not only will he rob you of that blessing, he'll rob you of any material possessions that you have. I know a man, I'm not going to call his name, but I know a man that I'll guarantee you if you and him, if you and him and let's say that Brother Hub and Brother Eddie and him all started out one morning looking for a job 90 times, 99 times out of 100, he'll get a job before you do. He just knew how to get jobs. And sometimes he'd keep them for a while and he'd uh, make up a pretty good stack of money and then he'd get back out in the world and the devil would take it away from him. I know at one time he worked for a year and a half. And I mean he was doing good. And then one day... He went back to the bar, and within just a couple of months, he was broke as he could be. The devil robbed him. The devil beguiled him of any chance he had of of winning souls or any, any chance he had of edifying the cause of the Lord in any way. So, let us consider tonight ourselves and our church. How important is it to say where God wants us and do what God wants us to do? In the book of the Revelation, we've already mentioned the fact that we've been studying about the churches and God saying, I know about your works. But John was inspired to write there about the churches of all different kinds of churches. Some of them were pretty good churches and some of them weren't too good of churches. But I sit down and began to think about those churches and God was available to every one of them. You could take the worst one that God mentioned. I'd say that'd be the lay out of Sin church. They, They won't repent. But if they had, God would have come in their midst. You know what? What the Bible says about that lay out of sin, church, it said, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, what did that mean? He means he wanted in the church and they wouldn't let him in. He said, But if any man, if any individual will let me, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me somebody said, why was Jesus knocking? Why didn't he just come on in? Because the latch strings on the inside. God will never force you into letting him into your life. So tonight, do we need revival? Certainly, I believe that we do. And uh, the complaint against the church of Sorter's said, you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You know, it, it kind of scares me sometimes. I, uh, Especially people over in Cannon County, I don't know how they know so much about what's going on at Sunny Hill, but they s- seem like they do. And they'll say, man, the people over there really are working. They really love the Lord. They re- really win souls, and they really got nice buildings. All those things are true. But I'm afraid they're not true enough. We win a few souls here and there. But did you know if we was where God wanted us, every time we had a service, there'd be somebody coming down that aisle to make a public profession and ask for baptism. And so God help us if we don't fall into that place where we've got a name in the community that we're alive and we're moving and things are happening. But in the sight of God, we're dead. Then that, as we come close to the close tonight, that church over there in Ephesus, God said, if you don't repent and return to your first love, he said, I'm going to take your candle out of the candlestick. Now, I assume that the fire had already gone out by the fact he didn't say, I'll put your fire out. I assumed the fire had already gone out. That, that represents the Holy Spirit. He said, you're there, and you're not doing what you're supposed to do. I'll take you out of the way and put somebody in there that will. So, Lord, revive us that our candlestick not be removed from its place. I desire to see this church grow numerically. I'd like to see the number grow. But more than that, I'd like to see it grow spiritually. You know, if... I wouldn't be pleased at all, and I don't believe God would either, if this whole house was filled with people and we didn't have any more dedicated Christians than we've got tonight. As I said earlier, spiritual conditions are contagious. So God helped me to be a spiritual individual so that somebody else will catch it from me. But if you get unspiritual, if you get cold and indifferent, there's going to be somebody catch that from you as well. And in closing, do you know more than likely who that's going to be? It's going to be that individual who's closest to you, right. who you love the most. God help us tonight. Amen. I need revival. Amen. Do you? Yes. We'll ask you to stand, be our player and song leader, comp. Brother Chris, if you'd come over here on my right, and brother John on.